Inflated circulation numbers. That's the news this week. On the Media Savvy podcast today, we're speaking with media veteran P.N. Balji. Good afternoon. Good to see you. Hi. Good afternoon. Balji, obviously the news has um, really hit the headlines quite literally and figuratively. An internal review has found that between 85 and 95,000 additional copies were booked as part of their circulation figures, a 10 to 12% inflation over the actual number of readers. And so many bits and pieces and details have come out about that. Firstly, it was SPH that proactively disclosed it. Wang Wei Kong, who's only just taken over from Walter Fernandez as head of the various publications that these circulation figures refer to, thrown into the deep end. In essence, it seems that sometimes they printed additional copies that were then pulped straight away. On other occasions, they created fictitious accounts to sign up for services to presumably create the impression that the circulation numbers were far higher than expected. What was your initial reaction when you heard this news? My first reaction was that this story appeared in uh, Wake Up Singapore. So the point is that uh, if it had not appeared in a social media site, maybe we would never have heard about it. It seems that they, in fact, try to get SPH a commentary. Uh, and then yeah. when there was no official statement forthcoming, they then went ahead to publish. Yeah, that's my point. My point is if Wake Up Singapore had not come out with that story, would we ever know about this? Well, I guess that's that, the question that we would ask. What is the significance okay. of uh, what, why you put it? I think it's out? very significant because Singapore is now called Singapore Media Trust. I like the word trust, you know. But anyway, Singapore Media Trust might not have released that information. But because Wake Up Singapore had broke the story and there were so many comments on social media and they had no choice but to release the information in their own publication. In your 40 years of experience in the media in Singapore, across print, broadcast, digital, has this ever happened before? Good question. My answer is that when I was in uh, print journalism, I won't say it's quite common. It was whispered, you know, that this was happening. So in that sense, it was not unusual. What is unusual is that SPH is no more a public listed company. It is now a company that depends on taxpayers' money via the government, $180 million a year. So once you become a company that is funded by public money, then your responsibilities become different, right? So I think that is where the difference came. Going back to your earlier point, though, that circulation numbers tend to be inflated, that there's always been whispers even during your esteemed career. It seems from the SPH Media Chief Executive's uh, statement, Tan Lei Lim saying that circulation numbers and advertising contracts are based on third-party assessments, not the numbers that media companies give. What would have been the purpose or the benefit of inflating circulation numbers? Okay. I think that there, I, I need to uh, uh, answer your question with two points. Okay, The first point is that the dependence on circulation figures has always been there because the companies that do so-called readership surveys, the Singapore Media Trust is right 
in saying that circulation figures are not important, but is the readership figures. And how did they calculate readership figures? In a very archaic way, if your one newspaper is read by four people, why do they say four people? In most households, husband, wife, and two children, two other people. So they multiplied mm -hmm. it four. So if your circulation is 300, you multiply it by four is 1.2 million, your readership, which is what they used to, to tell the or to show to the advertisers, which to me is not a very reliable uh, way of uh, method of doing it. Uh, just to give you one example, when I was in Today, when we started Today, it was a free newspaper. Mm -hmm. And we knew how these companies that were doing readership figures, uh, what were they doing? Okay, this is how they did it. They will just go to different parts of Singapore, use the masthead of each newspaper and ask the question, did you read this yesterday? Only the masthead, okay? Mm -hmm. They didn't go further. Like, so what did you read? Did you read their editorial today? You know? But the point I'm making is that if you say yes, then you become a reader, which to me is a very unscientific way of determining a reader. The other point that I wanted to make is that this whole uh, readership thing is if my circulation is, say, 300,000 copies a day, I multiply that by four and I get 1.2 million readers. Huh? So there's a difference between circulation and reader. Circulation is the number of copies that are sold. Readership is the number of people who read it. That was very unscientific way of doing a readership survey. Mm -hmm. uh, but uh, people bought it, you know, advertisers bought it, all fell for it. And uh, it was quite a charmed way of uh, living, you know, or, or earning money. So what I'm trying to get across is even at that time, you know, that the surveys were being done, they were not scientific at all. That's the point I'm making. Yes. Still, when we then hear of accounts being created to sign up or, you know, printed uh, newspapers actually coming off the printing press and then being pulped just to show that these uh, they were produced even though they were never read. I mean, that yeah. does indicate that flawed as they may be, people still rely on, to some extent at least, on what the media companies disclose. That's a fair point to make. All I'm saying is that that's not the right way of doing things. This has been going Indeed. on for a while. Just to give you an example, my own example, when we were started today, and it was a free newspaper, right? So we had to show circulation figures, which we did show. Then came the question of readership. We were distributing about uh, 200,000 copies, you know. Uh, mm -hmm. So what we did was to find out where the readership survey was being done and we go and distribute copies to that area, which means that people will get that copy. And if they were asked a question, did you see this paper yesterday? They would say yes. I mean, which is again not scientific, but uh, in a way we had to do it. Given the fact that they now say that there's, uh, you know, heads have rolled and there will be a review, etc. Given that advertisers seemingly have other numbers to, to go on, do you see an exodus of advertisers now from, from SPH? Or will they shrug it off and say, well, we never paid much attention to the circulation numbers anyway? I think the, the, what we uh, need to uh, factor in, in a big way, is that the straight stamp circulation has been going down over the years. That's why the media arm had to be spun off and be part of 
a company which is funded by government, which basically is public money. So the point is that the fact whether the, the advertisers will just run away is not really a question now because the advertising is already declining in a major way. But most of the advertising now goes digital, you know. Indeed. But taxpayers might still then ask the question, why are we funding mm-hmm. a publication to the tune of $180 million a year if, in mm-hmm. fact, well, a verifiable fewer number of people actually read it? Yep. So your question is, why should the public fund this company? Am I correct? Exactly. Or fund it to the extent that uh, that has been previously yeah. announced. Perhaps the government review might even recommend a, a lower figure, perhaps. Do you, do you see that as well, a possibility? I, so. I really hope so, but I don't think that will happen. Because first point, let me say that I don't think the public has much control over how much the government gives to SPH or Singapore Media Trust, right? Because the money is taken from tax revenues and other revenues, right? Which the public pays. So I don't think the, the public has that kind of a influence, you know, unfortunately. Mm-hmm. So, so far in our conversation, it, it seems that the story is probably not as uh, as much of an earthquake as one might originally think, because what I've heard heard from you is that circulation numbers have always been a bit dubious if, in the way that they've been compiled. They've never been truly scientific. That advertisers anyway rely on third party sources, and that ultimately, you know, the if, if the government is anyway uh, funding SPH Media, then perhaps the advertiser presence may not be quite so important. It still leaves us, though, with the question of trust. Why would somebody at SPH deliberately go and create fake accounts or or to to sign up for fake subscriptions? Why would somebody deliberately make that decision to print an extra 85 to 95,000 copies? What does it say about trust both in the company and the editorial product? That's why I feel that they should change the name of the company from Singapore Media Trust to something else. But your question is a very important question. Why do they want to do this, right? Because you know your circulation numbers are down. What's the point? Or most of the, the, the revenue has to mainly come from digital. My answer to that is that the, there is a lot of pressure. You're a, a circulation team member, right? You have to show results. You cannot just go to the management and say, oh, nobody's buying the paper, right? So they have to go and show the results. They will try all kinds of uh, methods, you know, give away free copies or, or whatever, you know. And uh, when they do that, you know, uh, then they can show that, hey, the circulation is high. So there's a lot of pressure on this circulation boys and girls to show good results, that the circulation is rising, at least stable. But the point is the circulation is going down and down and down. And where does that leave the company? Financially? Generally speaking, if the company is anyway attracting fewer readers, what sort mm-hmm. of changes, uh, perhaps structural changes, can we expect? Do you see this as a turning point in uh, the, the lifespan of SPH or Singapore media generally? Yeah, I don't see it that way because, firstly, there is very little competition for, let's say, the Straits Times. You know, Secondly, we all uh, forget, you know, that the biggest player in the media business in Singapore is the government. At the end of it, even if you're, you have good content, then you don't have to worry about circulation. 
the circulation will be there, the readership will be there. And when I mean content, I think in the Singapore context, the public, generally speaking, is looking for content that will not hide the facts of the story, you know, or show the facts in a way or highlight those facts that are good for the newsmaker. And the circulation has been dropping for two reasons. Of course, the digital presence. And the second one is that the people uh, from a credibility point of view have major questions about the media. And Wong Wei Kong, the new head of those uh, publications, has implored his uh, journalism staff, his editorial staff, to keep focusing on on writing trustworthy content, credible content, presumably in the same way that you've uh, just mentioned, right? To build an audience and to build audience trust. But once again, given that uh, we've now had this news, and obviously some trust seems to have been uh, eroded, do you see a change in the editorial direction, perhaps, in order to rebuild that credibility and trust? I'm very pessimistic. I don't see a change in the content, you know, because if they try to change content, then there might be a reaction from government. And I don't think they are prepared for that. So presumably, as much as this has hit the headlines and people are aghast, what I'm hearing you say is, in essence, that it makes very little difference anyway to SPH Media. And it will not really change things in terms of the content that people will read. Yep, that's exactly what I'm saying. Where does this leave new media, which has often filled the gaps, the competitive landscape that have been left by the traditional media? Do you see fresh opportunities for websites, for example, or or other editorial content to come through? I think there's a big vacuum in the Singapore media market for that type of uh, products to appear. But the big question is, do they have the resources? Do they have the money? And by asking that question, I guess you've also provided us with the answer. The answer is no, because so many of these websites have come and gone. But having said that, I still admire, there are a few, like Wake Up Singapore is one of them, the online citizen is one of them. Price media is another. So there are all these bits and pieces, you know, of uh, websites, but they are not, they don't have the kind of resources, they don't have the kind of money to challenge the Straits Times. Balji, any final comments then uh, on this issue that we've been talking about today? The, the one thing that when this story first broke, I was surprised by the kind of reactions that have come out on social media. I was very surprised because there were people who were so angry and I feel that it is a pent-up anger, you know. They have this anger against the Straits Times for right or wrong reasons. And a lot of these people came out and there were people even saying, why are the three executives not being named? Why isn't the police involved, not investigating? So I, in, at that, initially I was very surprised, you know. I I didn't expect the anger to be so great. That surprised me, you know. And the second thing that, for me, the takeaway is the uh, Singapore Media Trust kept quiet. This incident happened when the decision to to act against the uh, employees happened sometime in uh, in the just just during the Christmas season. And today is uh, nearly two weeks. And uh, uh, no announcement was made. Maybe they felt it was not necessary. 
I'm a, I'm a private company. But I think what they missed out was that you are no more a private company. You are now a public-funded organization. And you are responsible to the people of Singapore. The Singapore Exchange has said that if there were some material misdisclosures, shall we say, during mm. the time that SPH yeah. was listed, yeah. then they would be having a very close look at that. Are you at least satisfied that the review was sparked internally when the incoming management um, felt that questions had to be asked about the circulation number? Are you at least pleased that this was an internally initiated review? I am because, as I told you earlier, that this was not something that is new. It has been whispered about 30, 40 years ago. It used to be kind of happening. But this time round, you have a very senior former minister, Mr. Corbun Wan, who is the chairman. And secondly, you have a company that is now being funded by the government or funded by the people via the government, $180 million a year, which is a lot of money, right? which can be used for many other good purposes to help the ordinary Singaporean. Finally, Belgi, if you were an advertiser or perhaps even the communications director looking to ensure that one of the SPH publications actually writes your story, do you have any advice to them, any changes that they should take? I don't think that there's very much uh, uh, an outsider can do or a corporate communications consultant can do. And uh, the unfortunate thing is that is uh, Straits Times is still the only major player in the media market in Singapore. But having said that, I would suggest that the corporate communications people should also look at other media. You know, when I mean other media, other websites, there are websites out there which are attracting a lot of attention. I mean, uh, very few of them. So the, the, the thing is not to totally rely on SPH media. That would be my I'm not saying don't send your press releases to them. Send it to them, but also send to these websites. It's been great talking to you. Thank you again for your time today. PN okay. Balji, 40-year veteran of Singapore's print broadcast and digital media scene and author of Reluctant Editor, The Singapore Media as Seen Through the Eyes of a Veteran Newspaper Journalist. And if you have comments about today's podcast, please drop us a note in the comment section next to this audio file.